following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Today's broadcast is pre-recorded. There was a door standing open in heaven. And John wanted to see what was happening there. A voice spoke. We find this in Revelation, the fourth chapter. A voice spoke and said, come up here, and I'll show you what must take place after this. John is awed by all of this. And he says, At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with with someone sitting on it. Now he gives the description, and it is an awesome description. It's a terrifying description. There is this being, powerful, mighty, brilliant colors, And then there are 24 elders on thrones around this this being that was so filled with power. They were all dressed in white. They had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne there were flashes of lightning and rumbling and peals of thunder. And then before the throne there were seven blazing lamps. He was told that these were the seven spirits of God, seven being the number of perfection and and power. And there was a sea of glass, not a lake of glass, a sea of glass. It must have stretched forever. It was clear as crystal. Now in the center, right around the throne, there were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes. They could see everything. The first living creature was, was a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face of a man. The fourth, the face of an eagle. And each of these living creatures had six wings and were covered with eyes all around, even under their wings. In other words, they could see everything. They observed everything. And they were all saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders would fall down before them, before him who sits on the throne, and they would worship him. They lay their crowns before the throne, and they say, You are worthy. You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power For you created all things, 
and by your will they were created and have their being. Then I saw in the right hand the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? Now understand, John is experiencing all of this. And John is on the island of Patmos. His heart cries for his people. What's going to happen to his people? What's going to happen to his church? What will happen to the people he has brought to Jesus Christ? What will the final end be? But no one is found worthy to break the seals and open the scroll. No one in heaven or or earth or under the earth or... None of them are worthy to open the scroll or even look inside. They can't open the scroll. And he begins to weep. He mourns. Why? Because he knew that scroll had to be opened for the final events of earth's history. When that scroll is opened, the final countdown begins for the coming of Messiah in glory and great power. And no one could open it. And in hopelessness, he weeps. Then suddenly, one of the elders speaks to him, comforting him, saying, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah? The root of David has triumphed? He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Suddenly, he sees something he has never seen before. He sees a lamb, and the lamb looks like it's been slain. In other words, its throat has been cut. It has died. But in this horrible condition of death, the dead lamb is standing in the center of the throne. He's encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. So suddenly this majestic being who is sitting on this throne transforms before John's very eyes. John did not recognize him. The glory was so great and the lightning and the thunder. He didn't recognize him. But now this being transforms into a 
a lamb right before him, looking as though it has died. This lamb has seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. This is God. This is Jesus. This is our Lord and our Savior. Why was it necessary to combine these two pictures, if you please? One of a mighty, godly being sitting on a throne, lightning and thunder, worshiping. And then suddenly a lamb, weak, slain. No power. The deliverance of God's people requires two things. One, it requires a purchaser, and it requires a lion. Redemption comes to us by purchase and power. By purchase and power. In other words, this lamb came and took the scroll from the hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp. They were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. They sang, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language, people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God. And they will reign upon the earth. In other words, we have a picture here, an awesome picture here, an incredible picture of Almighty God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we have the Lamb, and the Lamb has paid the price to purchase men. He has redeemed us by his blood. By being the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth, Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins. He has opened the gate of heaven. But it is not enough for Jesus simply to die. He must also have the power. A man or a woman is only re released from the bondage of the devil by a God who is powerful. 
So we have purchase and we have power. That power is available for you today. You have been purchased by the Lamb of God. And John is watching this transpire. He is both terrified and excited, weeping at one moment and rejoicing with a new song, the song of Moses and the Lamb. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you've made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Do you understand? God did not just redeem you so you could continue a wicked life. He did not just redeem you so that you could be a good citizen. He did not just redeem you so you could live normally in the American culture with all of the luxuries and benefits of the American culture. That's not what Jesus did for you. He used his blood to purchase you. He used his power to set you free, to make you a priest, a kingdom of priests to serve our God and to reign on the earth. We reign today in the power of God against principalities and powers, against the darkness. We reign with Jesus seated at the right hand of the throne of God to defeat the enemy in every battle. Many of you listening have tried so hard. You've tried to be righteous and you couldn't be. You've tried to overcome your alcohol and you couldn't. You've tried to overcome your fornication and you can't. You've tried to overcome lying or cheating or stealing and you've not been able to. My brother, my sister, it is not by our power that we stand before God. It's by the power of the Lamb. It is by the power of the Lion of the tribe of Judah. It is by the power of Jesus that we are set free. It is by the power of Almighty God that we are given a place of standing. It is not something we do for ourselves. It is done by Jesus. I praise God. Then John looks, and he heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and tens of thousands times tens of thousands, and they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders And in a loud voice they sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders are again on their faces, and they're worshiping. 
you know what? All I want to be is on my face, worshiping the God of heaven, worshiping the Lamb slain from the foundation of the earth, worshiping this awesome being who sits on the throne, who is my Lord. I want to bow with these elders, 24 of them. I wonder if Abraham was one, and Isaac and Jacob. I wonder if King David was one. I wonder if Moses was one. Oh, all I want to do is is bow before Jesus Christ and proclaim to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. I want to be able to say amen with with the four beings and with the elders as they fall down and worship our Jesus. He is wonderful. He is awesome. He is beyond all understanding. He is glorious and powerful. Now chapter 6 of the book of Revelation turns to a very sober, very sober, and presently beginning to happen experience. Do you understand? The end time events only take place as Jesus releases the scroll. With the command of Jesus, these things begin to happen, and they are the final events that will close earth's history. John watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. And I heard, he says, one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown. And he rode out as a conqueror, bent on conquest. This man who rides on the white horse, a symbol that he is the Savior. But it is not Jesus Christ who goes out on that white horse. It is the Antichrist. He holds a bow, a symbol of war, and he is given a crown, and he rides out as a conqueror, bent on conquest. We are right now watching as the one world government forms itself. And soon the man of sin will come as an angel of light, declaring that he is the peacemaker. He will come declaring that he is the one who will deliver and set free. He will ride out as a conqueror, bent on conquest. 
And then the Lamb opened the second scroll. And I heard the second living creature say, Come, come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. It was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. I believe that the second seal is open, and I believe we are now seeing that horse ride across the earth, that fiery red horse. And its rider has been given the power to take peace from the earth. The whole earth is astir with war. Men are slaying each other. To him was given a very large sword. It would not surprise me if that large sword was a symbol of a nuclear bomb. Then the Lamb opened the third seal, and I heard the lit the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand, and I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a day's wages, three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. I believe this is speaking here of don't touch the elites. Right now the judgment is coming on all of mankind. A quart of wheat is considered to be what is required to maintain the life of a man for a day. Or three quarts of barley, because barley is the, is the less valuable grain. There's much less nutrient value in barley. It's a cheaper grain. But don't damage the oil or the wine. I believe we're going to see that come. It's already come in many parts of the earth, but it's going to come in the United States. And with it will come famine and all kinds of shortages for groceries and, and supplies. And a man is going to work at a low-level wage. Americans are increasingly being moved to a poverty level of work. A man working at Walmart making 10 or $11 an hour, how can he support his family on that? It's just enough to barely stay alive. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was death, and Hades was following close behind him. It was, they were given the power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. I believe war is coming. War is coming to America. Death and Hades are coming to America. We are in the time of the end. Jesus Christ is ticking down each step of the final great struggle that men will know that there is a God in heaven. They will know 
that their wicked deeds cannot go unpunished. And for those of us who sing the song of redemption, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Jesus came and died on Calvary as that Lamb of God, but now he comes with great power to deliver his people from sin. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. This is the song of Moses. In your unfailing love, you will lead your people that you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and the rider he's hurled into the sea. That's where we live today. We are watching now for Jesus to come. And he is going to open for us that glorious entrance into the heaven into the heavens above. Mr. Producer, would you put on that song for us, Then the Red Sea Parted? Dark waters lay before them, dark forces came behind. To the left and right the desert brought panic to their minds. The evil of that hour was stronger than the sun that beat on them with nowhere left to run. The chariots of Egypt drew nearer as they cried. Yet Moses stood there calmly with a fearless faith inside. He said there is a power far greater than the sword. Stand still and you will witness a mighty salvation from our Lord.
Temptation came beside me And it told its finest lies Making all the darker pleasures So pleasant to my eyes I knew a lack of prey Had led me to that hour Standing there surrounded by sin's power Yet the terror of those moments Began to fade away As my heart recalled God's mercies Are all new every day And my spirit took its armor As my lips took up the sword The light broke through the darkness A mighty salvation from our You can be delivered from your Red Sea. Jesus Christ came as a lamb slain, and he also sits on the throne. And today, by the power of the blood of Jesus and by this mighty God we serve, all that you need for salvation has been given to you. All that you need for release from prison has been granted to you. All that you need to grow up in the Spirit of Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit has been given to you. It's all been given. What glorious news. We have those Red Seas. And it seems utterly impossible that we can be delivered. But if we will trust in the power of Jesus Christ, He will make the impossible possible.
our God is so concerned about us. He is so... He is so filled with love and compassion and mercy that nothing has been left undone that we could walk away from the old man and the old sin and the old nature and be filled with the Holy Spirit and let eternity begin now. The children of Israel walked through that Red Sea on dry ground. Then the whole children of Israel, as they're leaving that area, the desert of Shur, they walk for three days with no water, and finally they come to Mara, and at Mara, they grumble because the water is bitter. The world is bitter. Your experience without Jesus Christ is bitter. There is a lonely, aching hole in your heart that only Jesus Christ can fill. And there Moses throws that piece of wood representing the cross of Jesus Christ into that water, and immediately the water is sweet. And then he brings them to this wonderful place at Elam, where they are able to rest with 12 springs and 70 palm trees. I mean, they're on vacation. They've just arrived in a in a tropical place. Always that's God's way. He said, I am the Lord who heals you. I just sense today some of you are broken of heart or broken of body. And you're listening to this broadcast and you're saying, is it possible that God could heal my body? Is it possible that the Lord God of heaven could heal your heart and give to you the gift of forgiveness? Yes. He specializes in healing. I need healing today. And that healing has been in, in process for some time. I need healing by being filled with the Holy Spirit that the words I speak to you will have such power that you will be convinced to repent of your sin and to entirely give your life over to Jesus Christ. Do you need healing today? Are you sorrowful? Are you brokenhearted? I understand. The whole Israelite community sets out from Elam. It's about a month and a half now into the journey. They've been camping and and walking driving their carts and their animals, over a million people. They can't go back to Egypt because the Red Sea is closed and there's no way back. They are now trapped in the desert, and only the Lord God of heaven can deliver them. Some of you have walked into a trap in your life, 
and only the Lord God of heaven can deliver you. The whole story of the children of Israel is the story of God's gracious deliverance, his mercy, his kindness, his long-suffering. But it's also the story of the unbelief and the lack of trust. We believe very much in what we can see. And we can't see Jesus and we can't see God. So are they real? They're more real than this physical world. They're more real than what you see. We have to go into that desert. That's where every follower of Jesus Christ is called. We are called out into the desert, and there we are fed by the Lord. There we are cared for. Our diseases are healed. We're restored in the presence of Jesus. I'm so happy that Jesus heals our sicknesses. And he heals our broken hearts. He makes peace where there can be no peace. He sets us apart for himself in the desert. Now you understand, for a Christian, the world is the desert. For the Christian, the world is the desert because when you come to Jesus Christ, there's no longer anything in the world that attracts you. You begin to recognize and confess, I am an alien and a stranger here. I am just passing through. My home is in that celestial city, that place called the New Jerusalem, located in what we call heaven. It will come down and heaven will be on earth. But right now, Heaven has not come down to earth. But Jesus is sitting in the master control room called the sanctuary of heaven, where he is engineering the full deliverance of every believer, of every person who will turn aside from their sin, who will renounce themselves, who will agree with God regarding their condition. Jesus is there working day and night for your deliverance, that you could be a part of this glorious redemption. They're walking in the desert, and the whole community begins to grumble. They grumble against what they can see, Moses and Aaron. They don't grumble against the cloud. Who will grumble against the cloud? They don't grumble against the pillar of fire at night. Who's going to grumble against that? Those are benefits they think they have derived. But they grumble against Moses and Aaron. And they say to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted but you've brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Strange, isn't it? They have forgotten that just a few days ago they were slaves in Egypt where the lash of the taskmaster's whip fell on their bare backs. 
where their baby boys had to be thrown into the Nile River. They're looking back with fondness on Egypt. It's terrifying for me to hear a person who has said, yes, I'll follow Jesus, begin to talk about how they miss their worldly life, how they miss the lust, how they miss the lust of their heart. And they're thinking even about going back to it. One young man has said to me on several occasions, Pastor, I can't do this walk, this desert walk with Jesus. I'm going back to my sin. And I have warned him, No, please do not go back. Well, this doesn't make any sense to me. I'm going to go back. I'm not going to follow this walk with Jesus anymore. And I finally say to him, okay, go back. And here's what will happen. Your heart will be filled with guilt. You will feel dirty. You will feel unloved. You will lose the blessings that Jesus has already granted to you out of his mercy and kindness. You will absolutely lose all joy in your heart. Because once a man turns toward Jesus and is claimed by Jesus Christ, you can never go back and happily live the worldly life again. You have been forever spoiled for the devil's company. And after thinking about this, this young man, just this past Sunday, confessed, I will never go back. I will follow Jesus. I will be faithful before him. He has saved my soul, and I rejoice in him. And my heart was glad. The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. I can't think of any more terrifying how do I describe it? To be tested by God? To have the depths of your heart uncovered? To have every secret thing exposed? To see whether or not you in fact will do what you have said you will do? That you will follow Jesus and you will not turn back? You have left your sin behind? You've left the drugs, you've left the alcohol, you've left the dirty thoughts. You are now going to go forward and you are going to serve Jesus Christ. And then it says, you will be tested. You see, the Christian faith is not a matter of words. Oh, there are words we must speak. The Christian faith is about integrity in actions. It's about being faithful to the one we have pledged 
to in marriage. You see, when we take the communion service and we offer the bread and we offer the cup, the cup is a symbol of Jesus coming to us and offering the cup as the groom. And if we take that cup and we drink it, we are saying as the bride, I am pledged to marry you, Jesus. And Jesus is testing his bride to see if she will go back and once more go into her sin. And if she does, over and over, and will not repent, and will not follow after her her master, will not be faithful to Jesus, the day will come when he will say to them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I've, I've never known you. Jesus will not bind himself to a sinner. He has made the provision for every sinner to become a saint. He's made the provision for all lies to stop. He's made provision for all past lies to be forgiven. I don't know about you, but I know in my life, I have many times grievously sinned against the Lord God of heaven. I've said I would follow him, and then I've turned back. And then I've said I'll follow him, and then I've turned back. But now I know. Now I know the power of the blood of Jesus sets me free, so that I no longer go back to those sins. We have been set free by Jesus Christ. But he will test us to see whether or not we will follow and do what he has told us to do. So Moses and Aaron say to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. You know, I have... I'm ashamed to admit this, but I have needed signs from God to reassure my fearful heart. And now I've come to a place in my life where the Lord is ready to bring me a wife. And I've asked for very clear indicators that I have heard correctly what he's saying to me. The word says, test the spirits. I test the spirits by the word of God. But as we're being brought out of whatever the painful situation is in which we have been struggling, and we cry out to God, he is very gracious in showing us very specific things. One dear brother, he would go down the highway and he would have a very precise question he was pressing God for an answer on. And suddenly there would be a car in front of him and the license plate would have the answer. Now, he grew up out of that and recognized that the Lord was not going to continue speaking to him by giving him scriptures on license tags. But for a time, that was very useful to him. And he would excitedly tell me 
what the question had been and what the scripture was that was given. Now you see, the Lord is going to be very kind to these people. He's saying, in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he's heard your grumbling against him. God was not angry because they grumbled. But one of the ways of God, I can tell you right now, I had a very difficult thing happen with my automobile just a few days ago. I was driving to an appointment, and suddenly I saw the heat gauge go up, and I saw, and, and in the cold, the heat went off. And so I'm driving and having to stop and let the car cool down and then driving some more and then stopping. I finally made it to my mechanic and not to my appointment and found that a head gasket was blown on the car. Only has a 100,000 miles on it. Is a new car to me. But the head gasket was blown, and the cost for that is over $2,000. Now I have a wonderful opportunity. I can groan and moan and complain and say, Oh God, how could you let this happen to me? You chose the car, you paid for the car, and now the head gasket is blown? Why? What are you doing, God? Or I can do something very different. I can lift my hands in praise and worship with laughter and joy and say, Jesus, you're giving me another opportunity to trust in you. I'm not going to go into despair. I'm not going to go into discouragement. I'm not going to go into grumbling. I left those behind. And now I'm joyful in all things. So I'm asking Jesus, what do you want me to do about this? How do you want me to handle it? I'm going to trust you. I know you're faithful. And a a dear brother said to me, Pastor Ray, do you have the money to pay for it? And I said, yes, by grace in Jesus Christ, I have the money to pay for it. You see, that's where I stand by faith. That's how I walk with my Lord. I trust Him. I'm only sharing this with you to say, whatever the hardship is that you are facing, at first, when we are immature, we grumble. We complain. We feel like God is treating us unfairly. But as we mature in Jesus Christ, we give up all that foolishness and we simply go straight to Jesus and praise and worship his name. And like a child say, Lord Jesus, this is what has happened. I know you know all about it. I trust you. Accomplish all that you desire. I am in your will. I will walk by faith. And as I walk by faith and not by sight, the Lord Jesus opens the way for you. But now they're still immature. They're grumbling. And my producer is telling me we're out of time. I want you to consider 
is your heart grumbling today or will you stop grumbling and lift up your hands before the almighty king and say i will not go into discouragement i will trust my god remember if he can release the seals to establish the end time events he can certainly set you free lord i just cry out to you today I ask in your mercy, Jesus, that you would minister to the heart of every person listening, that you would bring courage to their hearts, you'd bring joy to their hearts, that the circumstances of their life would not control them, that they would not be hard-edged or angry or harsh, that they would trust you, Jesus, and walk by faith, knowing that you are the Lamb of God, and you are the mighty God on the throne in heaven. Lord Jesus, thank you. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for joining us today. Tomorrow we'll continue this study in the life of Moses. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Jesus Christ.